I noticed that there's so many people would disappear because they was taken, taken away, sneaking quietly because they might be accused of coming from a wealthy family, coming from a uh, the family that worked for the previous government, or whatever they have been accused of. Those people have been disappeared. There it is. This woman means business. That is the of a bottle, Luga said. I can only mean it's time to record a straight talk and mental health podcast. I'm on the tea. Ashling is not on the hot drink because she's already had about two coffees this morning and she's a little bit wired. Three cups of coffee this morning as she holds her fingers up. And this is her second bottle of Luga said. So she is good to go for the straight talk and mental health podcast. You are very welcome to the show. If this is your first time checking in, you're very welcome. I'm guessing you came here because you read the name of the podcast, Straight Talk and Mental Health, and you want someone that's going to straight talk mental health. Well, you've come to the right place. My name is Alan Clark. I'm a psychotherapist with a degree in counseling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. And this week on the podcast, we are talking the killing fields. If you're unfamiliar with that, if you were born after 1979, I think when it finished, you're probably not going to know too much about it. It is the Cambodian genocide where the communist Khmer Rouge came to power and everything that followed after that. I'm not going to tell you because we are going to have Sarah M, who survived Cambodia at that time and thankfully lived long enough to come on and tell her story. It's an absolutely fascinating story. I've already pre-recorded the interview. So if you've checked in for that, you are certainly in for a treat. But on the first half of the podcast, this is where we have a check-in with ourselves, what's going on in our lives, how we're feeling, how our mental health is. And when I say we... I mean myself, and as the aforementioned, Lucas said, cracker, bottle, opener, Ashling Mailer. <laughs> you just fucking looking at me. I can feel you looking at me when, as I was saying it. Where are you going with this? <laughs> yeah, uh, how are you? There you go. <laughs> hey, see, you don't even need to be reminded now. Well done. It's even getting on my tits now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline. How are you? You're it. Yeah. So hello to everyone on YouTube. Just last week, we did a little sneaky sneaky. No, we didn't do a sneaky sneaky. But we kind of did. We recorded the episode. Oh, I yeah, said, yeah. Eh, maybe I'll just try it as a as a video episode. Well, we record it all the time, to be fair. We always record them. But normally we've just been yeah. doing kind of clips, clips on TikTok yeah. and stuff like that. So we decided to put it up as as a full episode. And mm. uh, the feedback on that has been very well. So we're, we're going to keep it going for another while. See how see how the videos go mm-hmm. and see how that goes. A lot of work, but we'll, we'll persevere. We say we, I mean I. <laughs> I'll persevere. You put your makeup on. You look pretty for the camera, and and I'll, I'll look after the rest of it. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can check us out on YouTube. You'll have to search for the Straight Talk on Mental Health uh, podcast. Can't give you a, like an at or a, or a username for YouTube. You have to have a hundred subscribers for that. And we've only just started. So if you want to help us out, you can give a subscribe on YouTube, where you will see this episode and last week's episode. Previous episodes have just gone up as kind of audio files, so they're there to listen to, but there's not much to see. But this time we've actually got something to see. So that would really help us out. You can just search for Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast on YouTube. If you want to get us on any of the other social media, that is at STMH Podcast. So that is Twitter, that is Instagram, that is Facebook, and that is TikTok. Where Sundays at 8pm Greenwich Mean Time, GMT, we do a TikTok Live. 
as we took a brief pause for the dishwasher to finish. That was an Ashley. <laughs> that was an Ashley <laughs> stomach. You would think that maybe after three coffees and two Lucas's, but she's, she's oh, better equipped for that. I meant I was being like Ashley in the dishwasher, not my stomach. <laughs> Back yeah. in the kitchen, woman. Yeah. Well, we're in the kitchen. We're in your kitchen. So exactly. or I'm up the north. We're in your kitchen. Yeah. No, uh, I do not wash dishes. I'd wait no. for Or wash clothes very well either. Wash Let them. it be said. <laughs> Excuse me. Do you want to show all the stains you've got in your new trousers at this point? I wrote, there was pen. I got pen on the leg of my trousers. Uh, yeah. New pair of chinos, which Ashton graciously bought for me. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. You know it's not for me. You know so, it's absolutely no, no, no. for her. So you were playing with Delilah and you're the one that ended up with pen on your trousers. Yeah, because I went to make a smart comment about Aoife and you. She's like two mamas. I was like, well, you've got Eva, that's your mama. And then there's Ashley. Mm. <laughs> so the so eldest, right, the eldest, yeah, yeah. Mm. Who, is, mm. who is very loving and caretaking of her. Mm-hmm. So you're very, very blessed on that front. So that's where we're at. That's the social media. If you want to get us with any of your comments, any of your feedbacks, if you want to, we'll say, for example, after this episode, you want to get back in touch with any of us to let us know how you felt about Sarah's story. Do let us know if you've gone through something similar. Hopefully you haven't, but obviously millions of people out there have lived in war-torn countries. Do let us know. We'd love to have you on. And we'd love to just have your feedback on the episode, whether that's something we've spoken about or something our guests have said or a topic we've covered or a topic you'd like us to cover. Do let us know. Last week was our check-in episode. We were talking about dating with kids and all of that. Mm. If you had experience of that or blended families, if you've had bad experiences, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And we will read out all of that feedback and give you a little plug on the on the video there as well uh as i again figured out last week oh i can stick rachel's comment up there and we'll do that with some of the comments then that Mm -hmm. we that we get so thank you very much that would really help us out ashley mailer you got the makeup on you always got the makeup on (laughs) if you're looking on camera you're looking at two white people one is a traditional white person kind of pink and pasty and the other is a white white person the whitest person that i know (laughs) you are so pale yes what you said to me at the dinner table this morning for breakfast you were like you're so white i was looking at your cleavage to be fair but even when we were walking (laughs) to the shop you were saying about my feet and everything yeah i was looking down at your shoes black shoes black jeans and i was like that's white there's a scene in the movie shaft great black exploitation movie from the you know you know shaft that song Mm, you'd have to sing it uh, what's, what's no please who's a cat that won't cop out when there's danger all about shaft oh, can you dig it yeah mm. so there's a, there's a scene in shaft I think it's the first shaft movie and his sergeant or his captain you know there's like get out of here shaft you know that guy that goes give me your badge and your gun and all that and there's um, I think that the, the cop if I'm remembering it properly it's been about probably 25 years since I last seen shaft and he's holding a black pen and he holds it up against Shaft. He goes, oh yeah, you ain't that black. Mm. And he holds up a white mug. You ain't that white. <laughs> You're white. <laughs> Shaft couldn't have done that to you. He'd be like, all right, fair enough. You are white. Be careful what you wish for. You said to me you don't like fake tan. I no, came into right. your life. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, and then there's no tan. There's literally no fake tan, no tan tan. <laughs> no, there's definitely tan. When I go not. on holiday, I don't even turn brown. I just turn a darker shade of white. And yeah. just, I, that's me. Unfortunately, <laughs> you've got this. Well, in all of your paleness, mm. how have you been feeling? Yeah, good. Yeah. That usually means bullshit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of went up a couple of octaves yeah, there. Yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> Which is accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 
planet. Everything's <laughs> <Just notice laughs> fine. Well, um, I don't know what to talk about. What, what do you mean? Do I not look fine? I feel fine. Do I not look fine? I'm a fine. Yeah, no, everything's grand. Yeah, what about yourself? I've been doing all right. What, what were you up to during the week? What's been, what's occurring? What's been occurring? Oh my God. Not only is your skin white, but your teeth are super white. No, um, <laughs> bleaching my teeth. So my teeth are sore at the moment. So I can't even breathe with them. I'm trying not to breathe with in my mouth. Whitening strips. Let's, let's, you're not just gargling Domestos or anything like that. It's proven to work. I would. <laughs> you um, fucking wouldn't, no. no it's like just know. 10 seconds, just 10 seconds. That's all you need to for. It's yeah. just enough to clean your teeth. Well, um, yeah. So it's very, sensitive teeth but you're so lucky in america to get that like <laughs> we have to kind of smuggle it in yeah no, um, it's me. well i have to order from america you can't get it to the uk because it breaks it but i used to be able you to, so to I, get it, but there I've you go thanks boris and all of that who was gone yeah. so long boris so, so long. i have to get it delivered to the south now don't mm. i so it's like, it is kind of a smuggling <laughs> So this is what we, back in the days, we used to smuggle guns over the border between North and South of Ireland. Mm. Now it's teeth whitening strips it's from America. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so lucky because like over here, I think for teeth whitening, we, because I've looked all into it, like your toothpaste is better in America. And the toothpaste over here, it only pinkens your gum. It doesn't actually whiten your mm. teeth. It's, it's so you're lucky. Yeah. All your teeth products over there. Yeah, but it comes at a cost of, of sensitive teeth. You've got pretty teeth, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, you know, don't smell too hard. You get the Sorry, I'm probably after blinding the camera there now. With, with that, so. Yeah. So you've been bleaching your teeth and that's, that's got you feeling all right, I'd imagine. No. Apart from the sensitive teeth. I can smile, but I can't breathe when I'm smiling through my <laughs> teeth because it hurts. But um, no, it's only, it only lasts for a couple of days after anyway. So once you stop, it's, it's not too bad. I say, well, I'm just teeth are in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's good now. Yeah. Happy. You've even You're put them onto it and work. You're stealing mine. I'm stealing yours. I forgot to bring some. I have some. Mm. I forgot to do them for months. So for anyone that's that interested, you might be listening in the US. US is one of our check out the Crest uh, teeth whitening strips. Oh, they'll know about it. Yeah, like, they're it's, very, it's, they're very good. Yeah, they are very good. And so cheap, like yeah. like I can't get. Do you know, over. we need to ever see like you know people on YouTube. So hit that refer link down the bottom. <laughs> smash it, guys! Boom. We could we could be like that, except Jeez. we're not fucking <laughs> gobshites. So but yeah, check it out. You know. And just give us a comment or a share, and we and we call it quits at that. What for the crest? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, people hit press the referral link, and then they get paid a percentage when every time someone buys that product. Mm. We're not asking to do that. We'll take a comment. If you need we'll testers, crest, you know. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. Don't, I don't mind. Yeah, you know. we, we'll try it out at the moment. I've Open been, to sponsorship. I've been using three D just to let everybody know. <laughs> you want to give me other ones? I'll toothpaste or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, so Crest, we're, we'll gladly accept a sponsorship of teeth whitening strips. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I need it more than anybody. It's look as a coffee yeah. addictions. Yeah, how yeah. How you, have, how you have how you have teeth? Yeah. So, Full stop. Yeah. So. I'm I'm on the green tea by the way. So. Yeah, you're. Yeah, but still, even that with the no milk mm. in it and stuff, it's still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what's been going on with you, with your with your teeth strips. Yeah, How I were you at last week's episode? Last week we were talking about the dating with kids and blended families and stuff like that. Yeah, I do you know what I look back on that and I thought it was very good. There's obviously some things that you walk away from and you're like, oh, I should have mentioned this or I should have said that or not been. But yeah, no, on the whole, anything you care to remember that you could mention on this episode? No. no, no. <laughs> If only I had a fucking weekly podcast that I could have made reference to those things that we I forgot to mention last week. No, I mean like curses. Stop. <laughs> no, it's just I, I did find it very interesting to be honest because obviously we are the bounded family and 
so far. But then I think we're just struck out. Like we are lucky. Like yeah. Well, Cammy said it. Sometimes you get a bad batch. Mm. We didn't. Yeah, I don't even think it's right. anything to do with that. We've just we, it is it's luck. At the end of the day, it really is. Luck. I don't. I don't know if it is. No. I don't know if it is luck. I mean, and and I I say this to clients all the time. So I am a psychotherapist in private practice. And I say to clients where they'll go, you know, oh, I'm just so lucky to have these great friends. I'm just so lucky. I was like, it's not luck. Mm. That's circumstance. You're a good person. Mm. So typically you will attract good people. Yeah. You know, that that's not luck. And the same for the kids. I mean, we're we're lucky in that. Lucky. Mm. In that we both have the same kind of attitude toward raising kids. Mm. So we've got good kids. They're not spoiled. They're well-behaved or well-mannered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can bring them anywhere. But it's not luck, you know. It's mm. just it's it's a circumstance. It's it's how we've it's how we've raised our own separately, and they've they've come together. So. I've always kind of said in regards to children, and I don't know, like you know, I I don't believe in really shouting, mm. or and I definitely don't believe in smacking. I don't I don't mm. know how you can say to a child, "Don't smack," and teach them to not smack by or, smacking them in the process. Or the one fucking I seen in Tesco's a few months ago, shouting the parents shouting at the child yeah. telling the child not to be shouting yeah see i don't get that i don't where the fuck do you think the kid got it from no see i would never ever tell them off big time unless i mean i can count on one every, hand. every parent knows when they act up down the yeah. supermarket you just give them the look the look the mother's fucking look. dead when i get you home but then you <laughs> and put, you do it in private <laughs> but as soon as you get home you've forgotten about it yeah like, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> i'm to get on to you Oh, it'll come to me. I'm sure it'll come back to yeah. me. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. You little shit. Oh! <laughs> so yeah, I just don't understand how you can teach a child not to do something by teaching them to do. They're to, doing, by doing the things. Yeah. Or, the, or the same as the parents smoking. If I catch you fucking smoking, yeah. I'm gonna fucking kill or you. Or drinking or anything like yeah, that. That's, that's, that's the example you set for them. I don't know. It's and I think my kids would be very quiet anyway. And I mm-hmm. think that's because again, well, you never see them shout. And I think it's because they're in a house where they've never really had yeah, that. So yeah. I remember I had a neighbor years ago, every morning, the kid must have been about James's age at the time, mm. five or six, every morning, roaring, shouting, screaming. I'm like, this is no way to start your fucking day. But you know what? I think as I was meditating, I'm going, yeah. oh, you need this. It's but not I think me. the kid will get used to that. And you shouting yeah. will meet the water for ducks back. So leave to tell them off. To actually, when they've done something crucial, like mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. think I can shout. I've shouted at Ethan, Ethan, once each really badly, and both of those times when it freaked me out. Once when I was on the motorway and I forgot that the lock, the child, the lock. child lock, was on the back door, and he was so, so obviously it was a mm. scary situation. Yeah, and that's that. all right. Yeah. Same yeah. as the kids going running across the road, they let us out at them. Yeah. So you know, go, excuse me, child, mm-hmm. please take care. Mm-hmm. Bang, gone. Yeah. So you that, know, that's you fucking shout as. Yeah, so that's preventive. the only two times yeah. I've done it in that overtime. Yeah, yeah but it's not scolding. It's oh, life yeah, saving. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So I've never actually just gone and screamed at them, and it's just not me to be fair. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's not luck. I think it's just circumstance. So. Parenting as well. Yeah. So. so you can check that episode back on YouTube. That was our first proper episode gone up. I think I did one just for myself and P before for the smiles and royals, but this mm. is a proper one. It's got graphics and it's got stuff like that. And it's got all the information about the website. The website is STMH Podcast. Dot com down there you will check out the little chat button if you have any messages or you can email us hello at stmhpodcast.com get us on any of the social media so check it out and let us know what you think about the videos if you're on youtube you can now comment below we can we can be one of those people so comment below guys smash that like button i think a lot i think with youtube though i, think, I don't know if a lot of people are like myself where you use, you don't need to sign in 
or have an account with yeah. YouTube to use. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, if you and do I have don't, a YouTube account, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. So maybe it's just me that doesn't yeah, have it an is. account. Yeah, it is probably. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. why do you need an account if you're already in? Because it? you can save stuff. You can go back save into anyway. stuff you've watched, but you you delete your history. You're like if if you're ever to think any of us was cheating, it would be you. Delete browser history. Delete do messages. Do you know the everything. things I have to Google or the memes I have to find for you? <laughs> I mean, I'm actually embarrassed Covering by my, your tracks. my meme search for you. Like, you just, yeah, you delete stuff. And then sometimes I'll go, like, I would be into mum's net and stuff. Mm. And they'll be like, oh, don't search for da-da-da-da-da. And then like, of course, like, what do you do? Oh, my, yeah. So the <laughs> first thing you do. Like a fucking child, don't touch it. Like, delete history. Don't touch it. And they're just looking at you. Don't. Don't. Oh, I don't even get that far. Yeah, you're like, don't touch it. I'm doing it. Yeah, so. Just, <laughs> yeah, so it's just to cover your own tracks. It's not to cover my own tracks at all. God's watching. I think God's always watching. I'll get God give up a long time. <laughs> don't worry about even that. God give up looking at your fucking search history. My <laughs> so, yeah, if you are one of those people on YouTube that maybe has an account, you can comment. Uh, many people one. do. It's just asking that that doesn't have a, have a YouTube account to comment or a Google account. Um, so we put the video up last week just as a tester, just to see how things were going, just to try and get some feedback. Big shout out to Shauna. It's going to pop up down there. I'll put that comment up there. Uh, big shout out to Shauna when I said, you know, are you into videos or people into video podcasts and stuff like that? And she went, yes. Five S's. Yes. Mm. Exclamation mark. As much as I love listening to podcasts when I'm driving, I love being able to watch them. So there you go, Shauna. You can now watch us and everyone can watch us. You can, if you want to be just weird and look at two strangers on the internet, it's all good. We're all right with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check out the kitchen. Oh, we're sticking this, we stick this episode up on Facebook then as well. What? This? This video on, put up as a Facebook video. You didn't want to last week in case anyone you knew heard some of your <laughs> dating stories. <laughs> now you've just done it again. So yeah, that will be like. <laughs> I'll yeah. fucking encourage people to go listen back to the last one. No, I'm all right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you wish. All right, we'll stick it up on Facebook as a full-length video, and we'll stick it up on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But let us know what you do think. Comment, like, share, any of that would be greatly appreciated. It will change. Look, I'm, I'm figuring it out. So that's what's been going on. You've been getting your teeth done. You're cracking open Lucas heads. What have you been up to, Alan? Apart from annoying your no, girlfriend. just working. Pissing me off. <laughs> annoying your girlfriend. She puts up on fucking Facebook. So check out this, this message. This is what she put up on Facebook. See, I can do that now. I can go. This is what you said. Now I can show what you see. This is just how our relationship. Yeah, we so you put she puts that up on Facebook, or like when you live to annoy him or something like that. Yeah, where your only thing in life is to annoy him. Yeah, yeah. oh, you're fucking so good at it. Though. You can tell you've had lots of practice. You're very good at it. Oh no, no. Yeah, and then I put one up. Then the next day of Delilah's clothes that I had washed from when she was down, and they're still the same color. See, like, you can't insult me with that. I'll tell anybody I can't wash whites. I wash a good white. Shout out to my daughter Adina. White on Wednesday. See, you like white. Check me I do, out. Yeah. Black as your fucking soul. <laughs> and you've sucked me in. Now I'm grey. You're not that. Oh, it's yeah. It's, that's charcoal. I, yeah. 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 So, everything, in fact, everything you're wearing now is basically what I've bought. Yeah? You know. bought me this jumper for Christmas? I don't know. Oh, I think it was Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And you bought me these chinos. Again, as everyone knows, they're not for me. They're for her. So. <laughs> no, you liked chinos before. Really. Yeah. You had a couple yeah. of pairs. I did, yeah. But did you buy these from here, you? These will join the ranks of the grey joggers and, and the black shirt. Have you got smiles and rails? Uh, smile. Can we do rails then? You can do whatever you want. It's our podcast. Mr. Darn, and I'll say your surname. <laughs> my next door neighbor. Slash cousin. It's a pain in my ass. 
He just, I swear he waits by the watch to, before he starts using <laughs> all his tools. And that, again, is not a euphemism. Yeah. Uh, so nine o'clock on the dot, and I swear it was bang on yeah, nine o'clock. Yeah. There was not one minute past or fifty nine. Uh, yeah, the the electric fucking saw or whatever he was doing <laughs> on a Saturday morning. Saturday morning, all the kids are still o'clock. sleeping, and I'm lying in bed. And you you got up to let me lie on. You're mm-hmm. downstairs. All the kids are sleeping still, and all you hear is him fucking. Yeah, he's a construction worker, so mm. that's what you hear as soon as he yeah. can. And I knew, I know what he's like. Oh, I knew when you said nine o'clock, I was like, mm. yeah, I think it's nine on a weekend. Yeah. It's eight on a weekday. Oh, he would have been watching his yeah. watch from half five, <laughs> six o'clock. But whenever he opens his eyes, he wants to be on the ball. And that would have probably killed him. So yeah, darn. Just say so your Just, cousin's waking you up on a Saturday morning. I can't even get him back because he's, oh, he's such an early bird. Like he <laughs> will be up at half five, six o'clock. And then o'clock. you get him back to do it. Oh. Late at night. He's sleeping. I tried to text him overnight to say, can you Fucking, hear Oh, yeah, like your phone. I text you and you're like, phone, like, and you don't put your phone on silent. It's like, bing, bing, bing. I do. When Speaking I'm, of cousins, like, and then tearing, you're like 15 messages in a row. No, I, three I o'clock do. In, three I, o'clock in the middle of the night. I put it on quiet now. Tearing is drunk. Yeah, yeah, airplane mode. I forgot to uh, turn my Wi-Fi off, so my phone is always on vibrate. I don't have sound. 20 to 5 this morning the phone vibrated and I know it was an email because I can tell by the vibration pattern. Mm. <laughs> um, and you're like, Jesus! I'm not used to it. Fuck's sake, calm down, love. And plus, I think when I'm sleeping beside you, I don't fully go into a deep sleep. I'm always kind of like... <laughs> That's how I feel. Because I end up getting violated in the middle of the night. <laughs> Just sitting there going, please don't, please don't, please don't. Oh, yeah. Jesus, oh, I dozed off, I dozed off. Oh, I'm okay. <laughs> it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously un- unfamiliar sounds. Yeah, so yeah, yeah and then obviously I, I'm not, you know, with you there at the weekend, I'm more without you than with, so I'm not yeah. going to sleep 100% that night. I, I think I sleep better with you though. Yeah, you're weird. Yeah. You've said that from the very beginning, like, yeah. and then you think... Actually, it's not weird because actually the research actually shows that you sleep better uh, with your partner. Yeah, but you know, even at the start, I never slept at all when mm. we first met. And hotels, don't even talk about hotels. Mm. Like I never slept through the night. I, you might as well just let me stay up. And then when you do sleep, your cousin wakes up. Oh. Who? Yeah. Fuck me. I thought you meant Tiernan. <laughs> well, that's the other one. He, well, he wakes me, me. He doesn't wake me. Yeah, you. thanks, Tiernan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I look, and do you know what? Oh, no. I like it at three o'clock in the morning when Tiernan's drunk and it's like, bing, bing, It's usually the bing. Best. One message, Tiernan. One message. Put it all in one message. Bing, bing, bing. You can wake oh, up to 15 me. messages. Tiernan's fucking drunk. Tiernan's yeah. drunk. Yeah. <laughs> You can you can actually wake up to fifteen men- yeah. messages. So uh, you will wake up in the morning. I will wake up at that time. And then and we also know we cannot talk to one Alan in the middle of the <laughs> night. Let me know, right? If it's fucking weird that you don't like to walk up in the middle of the night to have a conversation. Well, I'm not going to get up for myself, but I'll get up if he's thirsty, and I'll go, "Are you thirsty?" And then no, like, I'm fucking sleepy. Stop talking to me. Yeah, and then it's like I want to be nice, and then can I tell you my dreams? And then you're like. Ashton just go to sleep it's half three in the morning or he'll completely ignore you and be time to sleep so you're actually getting ignored like a toddler <laughs> you are like a fucking toddler no I don't know but now I don't talk I'm good and my phone's on airplane mode and really? isn't it great you sleep you? through I sleep I through I sleep through you do sleep through I just told usually you. it's the only time I can get you where you can't run off and I can just keep... I'll fucking run off don't worry I'll go and sleep in the car sure. I'll wait till Darren gets up and I give him a hand out in the fucking yard <laughs> Darren, I can't sleep. She has me up. Come on, we wake her up. Oh, stop. 
no, I, I'm just like that. I always helping. So it's a wee chatterbox. I need my sleep. I said it on the episode after sleep. I need my sleep. Yeah, I really do. I do need my sleep. And yeah. I, it's like I said, but I like to wake up. I don't like to wake up. But when I do wake up, I like to be able to like wake the other person up so I'm not on my own. Yeah, but the problem is, is I'm awake before you in the mornings. And I leave you then to go back for your second sleep unless you're interrupted by your next door neighbor. Yes, darn. Yeah, darn. You're on the shit list. You darn. are my royal. Yeah. What way do you want to go? Do you want to go royal, royal, or royal smile, royal smile? No, you go ahead. You like to leave. I like to leave with a smile. Royal, yeah. I don't have a royal. Oh, I do have a royal. I do Me. fucking have a royal. No, for once it's not. Well, it's the journey up to you, but it's in in a greater sense. I've definitely mentioned this on the on the podcast before because it drives me fucking mad. Inconsiderate drivers. All right. So there's a road from, where is it from? From after that kind of Ballygally mm. roundabout into Oma. There's one overtaking lane. And once you pass it, then you've got about what is it, 10 or 15 miles where there's no overtaking. Oh, yeah, there yeah. is no overtaking spot. And you're like, which, and I, you like, you know the road that mm. I'm on about. And I've seen it the whole time. Like yesterday, I was, oh, two weeks I was coming up. I must have been about, half a kilometer three quarters of a kilometer back so i could see the car that was holding everyone up like mm. and then as far as i could see in my in my mirror was a string of traffic as well like i don't get inconsiderate drivers you mean slow drivers yeah mm. i was like it's okay to be slow well fucking pull over mm. you know you're holding up the you're holding up the rest of the road and then people are trying dangerous overtakes yeah. and uh, i used to work and i'm not i'm not fucking saying i don't hold myself the same standard i used to deliver tiles Mm. I used to drive a van and there could be a pallet of tiles in the back so you know the acceleration on a van with a pallet of tiles is not going to be great mm-hmm. and I would always pull over I've checked the mirror pull over let the cars go because mm. there's fucking more than me that uses the road same thing yesterday uh, tractor 15-20 miles an hour for 10 or 15 mm-hmm. miles like and a string of cars that were behind it and it's not like he can't pull off onto the soft margin like he can just pull off onto the grass it's not like a car where Oh, I can't, you know, mm-hmm. that's a bit soft. The car might get stuck. You can just pull straight over. So coming up yesterday, it's just so frustrating. It's like, just have a bit of consideration. Mm-hmm. Use the fucking, you've got a mirror there, you've got a mirror there, and you've got a mirror there. Look at them. Mm-hmm. And if there's a big string of traffic behind you and nothing in front of you, mm-hmm. maybe you're the problem. So I don't know. I just think as well, a lot of people that are slow don't actually realize they are being slow. See, that's the thing. It's yeah. like... Are you just being a dickhead? I don't think they are. I've actually, are you such a bad driver that you don't even in, know? I've got someone in mind, and obviously I'm not going to say it, and they, <laughs> they would be a slow driver, and I, it wouldn't be intentional. Yeah. So I, it wouldn't be deliberate, you know, or anything like that. So I just think sometimes they just don't, they're not aware. They're just yeah. doing what they feel comfortable with. Might be slow, be slow on the town, be slow mm. going around. If you're on the main road, you're, you're more trouble. You're causing, you're going to cause yeah. more accidents. Yeah. yeah. And so. there is actually... I think it's illegal to drive overly slow on the on the road. Mm. So that's 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 me royal this week. Trial. That's me royal. You got smiles? Smile is tell me what I've done this week. Piss me off. Yeah, that's easy. That happens every week. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, that's gonna be a boring podcast. It's gonna be the same is, thing every week. Yeah. Um what have I done this week? Had a headache. Had your teeth done. Hmm. That's normal. Sometimes that's my just my breaking bad or no, the weather know. or the weather's shit. I fucking keep telling you. I tell you every week. Have a smile. Have a rhyme. Like I cue the fucking elevator music. Do, 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 if you do that, then do, I can't think do, of anything else. Do, do, do. What am I doing? I don't have any smiles. I can't think of any. 
Jesus. Do you know what's going to happen? We're going to fucking stop recording and you're like, oh my God, I went to fucking Disneyland there on Tuesday. <laughs> no smiles. No smiles. Well, I thought, no, no, no. actually, I thought, you know what I thought your smile was going to be? Yeah. Your smile, your teeth. But, but you blew really, it earlier really on. Blew, yeah, yeah. I did well, that is that it? Your white, your ever whitening teeth. I do have an obsession with teeth. You're going to tour later on? Oh tour. yeah, what's that thing when they um oh god you're gonna have movies to... in the cinema? <laughs> what's that thing where you go and sit in a big space and there's loads of other people sitting in that same space and you're looking you're and, and they're showing moving really pictures? Picky mood today. <laughs> it's called a cinema, Ashley. Do you see what I have to put up with? <laughs> or do you know what your smile was meant to be? Or you you forgot to mention us thinking the same. Obviously, we don't because you I fucking figured it out. You meant trailer when you went did that. You flick too hard. Ah, uh, but come here, you've always been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, it was weird, wasn't it? The, oh, where... last week. Yeah, you forgot to mention last week where both of us, unbeknownst, had the exact same song stuck mm. in our head on loop. I think you had the yeah. full song, whereas I'm... Just... No, I, no, I just have one lyric. Yeah. I, ha- I have this thing, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast. No, you have. But mostly, near, almost every morning, I will wake up with just a lyric. Yeah. One lyric, one line of a song, and it just fucking repeats in my head. Mm. And it... It's usually, it's usually mirrors I put something a song that, that will get in your nerves. Yeah, but a, it's you. <laughs> it usually mirrors <laughs> something that's going on in my life, and it's, it's nearly like a soundtrack that I wake up Don't to. Don't poke the next my morning. funny rib. Yeah, I still have to your see fucking about that. funny rib. You got a missing rib. It freaks me out. No, not, it's not not like you know. Some people get their bottom ribs removed. Ashing is missing a bit of a rib. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and it's fucking or, or weird. Or it feels dis- weird. Dislocated or something. It's not dislocated. It's not fucking there. It's a bit pokey. Like, if it's dislocated, it's like, oh, yeah, that's there. Oh, that's meant to be there, but it's up here. It's like, you know, you've got your rib, and it runs along like that, and then yours is just going, where's this bit? I think that's how you realise I don't really panic about stuff, because that happened probably in my pregnancy 10 years, uh, 12 years ago. That means there's a bit of rib floating around inside you, and there's not a lot of you, let's be honest. So where the fuck has it gone? As long as it's not anywhere important, it's fine. You're just extra, you're just annoyed that I've got an extra bone in me. (laughs) So, Apart from me. Isn't it? <laughs> I was wondering how long you're going to get that done. So, yeah. No, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it must have happened in pregnancy because it wasn't always like that. But it is a pokey rib. Yeah, it's weird. I'm it's like, like I think that was one of the first things I got you, like, to try to seduce you. Like, do you want to feel my rib? Oh, yeah. That, that'll like, win. That'll win any man over. So Thor, kind of a smile. And Lucas Ed, or not Lucas Ed, well, Lucas Ed's all your permanent smile. But your, your teeth whitening strips. To undo the, the damage of the Lucas Ed. Yeah, no, I love Crest. I, I, Which is banned in the United States because of that orange colour dye. Per United States. <laughs> Do you know what? Anybody that's in the United States. Buy a gun, but not Lucas Ed. Anybody that's in the United States, I will swap you some Lucas Ed if you'll give me some Crest. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a deal? That's actually. Arthur. You can tell I've been watching Breaking Bad. I'm just starting to do the. Smuggling. I give you drugs and you give me saying. money. <laughs> That's commerce, Ashley. I don't think we're the first ones to 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 catch on to that one. Stop! I feel like or bartering. Like so we we, we will stop somewhere. Yeah, like, we, we'll swap Lucas Ed for tea boy strips. Yeah, no, I will. You will. No, Lucas Ed. You're nothing about no, me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be all right now having Lucas Ed again. I think I'll be okay. So right. yeah, so I've got plenty of Lucas Ed. If you've got plenty of tea <clears> strips, you know, hit me up. Hit me up. Hey, down with the kids. Hit us up. Drop a comment down below. That's not a <laughs> Smash that like button. You stop smashing. <laughs> stop smashing my like button. I don't know. Yeah, so, 
what's your smile apart from me, Alan? <laughs> my permanent smile, Ashling, or my permanent scowl and headache. <laughs> um, two smiles this week. So my first smile is only a small one. Grand Prix last weekend, and Mick Schumacher got his first points in the Formula One. Mm-hmm. Michael Schumacher's son. Michael was his dad was my idol when as I was growing up, as it, when he was racing. So Mick's had a bit of a, a rough a rough turn in Formula One so far, but he got his first his first points. He's a seems to be a really lovely guy, and obviously everything that happened with his dad. Yeah, it was nice to see him getting his. As he wipes her wet hand on me again. She, you've got your own jeans. I don't understand. You're ready, dirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> I swear we're not high. <laughs> You're fucking wound up off caffeine, and then I'm just absorbing it off you. So yeah, so that's my little smile. <laughs> make make sure Mark out getting points. And my big smile this week, going back to what I had mentioned earlier of the zoo. Got to bring James to the zoo. The two of us had a so last weekend you and Ethan and Delilah were down, and myself and James. So we had a full on weekend, and I was like, I may I may do something with him now because I think Delilah kind of got in the way of all. His and Ethan's fun at the weekend. <laughs> so I was like, I'll do something nice. So we went to the zoo. He walked the whole way around mm. and we were nearly at the end. And he's like, oh, can I get on your shoulders? I'm like, no, come on, we're nearly there. You know, you can you can do it all. And he's like, yeah, but what do I get if I do it all? I'm like, you get a profound sense of achievement. <laughs> he didn't He didn't seem to. You think? Didn't seem to do much for him. Yeah. <laughs> So what he, he did, what he did do was say, okay, you can sit, you can stay up later. So we went, went to the zoo. We walked the entire length of that, five miles. I mean, he walked five yeah, miles. We went to Nando's. And then I was like, you know what we'll do as well? Because I'm always trying to encourage him to read. I was like, come on, we'll get down into Eason's and bought him a book. So mm-hmm. I got him a Captain Underpants book. Uh, I recorded Sarah's interview mm-hmm. while he was online playing with Ethan. Actually, he wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So what you don't hear in the interview is he was waiting all evening. Now, he really was. He was waiting all evening. When's Ethan going to be back from his dad's? And he's like, I'll be back at kind of around this time. Mm. And James is watching, just watching TV, kind of waiting. So I was recording the podcast. Mm. He's online. He's watching TV, waiting to go. Ethan's online. Mm. And the poor little, and he was like, he was annoying me, but I could understand his frustration. Yeah, so in the house, there's different Google, Google assistants. So you can broadcast to a particular room and mm. say what you want to say. So, hey, I won't say it because I've triggered in people's houses. You know, broadcast, blah, blah, blah. And it'll relay your message in. So as I'm recording the interview, I have to keep hitting mute because mm-hmm. all I hear is this message coming in. Daddy. Daddy is eating online yet? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm fit to kill this young lad. <laughs> so that, that's muted out of the... Um, or actually, I think as you, watch the, as you watch the video, there's a bit where my screen goes black for maybe about two or three seconds. I had to cut out all the rest of it. But at that point, you're going for fuck's sake. I'm muted, going, James, he's online now, <laughs> or something to that effect. So, so you'll see it. You'll see it in the video later on. So yeah, we did the zoo, walked the five miles, went to Nando's. He interrupted the podcast interview, and then reading in bed. Uh, but I was letting him read it. So there's just a that's just a nice little moment because mm. I don't get that. You know, I don't always, and I think that's. You know, for single dads and stuff like that, mm. you don't get to be the very often get to do the firsts with them. Maybe their mom is there with them all week, or even Cammy. Cammy learned to drive from his not married, but for want of a better word, stepdad. Mm. Uh, you know, because he lives there with him all the time, and he's been his life for however many years. So you, you miss out on little moments like that. So, but it was it was just lovely, just you know, teaching him words and 
Captain Underpants. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> not uh, it's not any literary classic, but you know, an, an enjoyable romp nonetheless. So far, we we we've yet to find out what happens to the bugger monsters and all of that. But mm. uh, looking forward to that. So now it was nice. So that's me. I think that's my smile. That's me. That's me, Royals. That's me, Smiles. You struggled for a smile this week, but but we got there. What was it? <laughs> kind of Thor. Oh, kind Thor. of your teeth. You teeth biting his strips. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading my teeth now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's it. Drink that, Lucas. Crestor just sitting there going, lovely. Drink it up. Crestor just wanted Lucas <laughs> to come over to America. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So this week on the Straight Talk and Mental Health Podcast, we're absolutely delighted. Well, I say we, I said, I know for a fact I am absolutely delighted and I really cannot wait to have to have this discussion. This is something that happened before I was born. It's something I vaguely became familiar with through books and through my own reading. But I can safely say I haven't heard a lot about it outside of that, outside of my own special interests. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about the, the genocide in Cambodia, aka under the rule of Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, and someone that experienced that and lived through that. And you know, people may be familiar with the movie The Killing Fields, etc. But someone who was there is all the way from the USA, thankfully now, so she survived everything and was has been able to make a life for herself. Is Sarah M? Sarah, how are you doing tonight? Tonight, as we talk, but afternoon, I think for you. Yes, yes, very good. Thank you, Alan, for having me here. So, where in the world are you currently, then, Sarah? I'm currently in Clearwater, Florida, in United States. Okay. Yeah. As as humid as as Cambodia. <laughs> it's pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. Very close. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we've we've a long way to go before before we get to you being you being in Florida, um, Sarah. So maybe before before the getting to the states, perhaps you could give us maybe a little bit of insight of of what a younger life looked for you because you had two very different experiences in Cambodia. There was yeah. pre Khmer Rouge and post. So what what did what did Cambodia look like before those uh, before the seventies? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my. My younger life, when I grew up, I grew up in a farm area, far, uh, in, a, in a small village. So I live in the countryside, surrounded by nature. I uh, love my life. Um, we, we have a lot of tropical fruit and vegetable and exotic fruit, a lot of them. You can see the exotic because we don't have it here in the United States. So I love everything. And uh, our house is located very close to the river, the flowing river. So uh, my my parents are farmers, but they believe in education. So they preach to me since I was young that mm. higher education is the way to go. So so um, I keep that in mind. And I was loved because I was a firstborn. So I feel loved and secure. My my mom always tell me how much she loved me. But So you grew, you grew up, as I said, you grew up feeling loved. Uh, you grew up from a, in a farming background, but a strong emphasis on, on education. Yes. Where, so where did that education take you then, Sarah? When I was ready to attend college, I went to Phnom Penh, capital city of Cambodia, and I set out to be an, a chemical engineer. So that's my major that I chose. Mm. However, while so that means 
I have to leave my family behind and leave my hometown. And I went to the capital city. And I was there attending college. And then in 1975, very horrible thing happened to Cambodia. When the communist Khmerus took over our country, they came in with madness, with resentment, with hate, because they, they don't like the previous government. They don't like capitalists. And they are communist regime. They, they came in with a military truck and military uh, soldiers uh, marching in. And I found out that they came in in all the city in, United, uh, in Cambodia. But since I was in Phnom Penh, um, I only talk about what I saw in Phnom Penh while I was there. Um, they shut down everything. I mean, complete shutdown. Nothing open. You could not even go get the food. Whatever you have in the home, that's it. You cannot go anywhere to get anything. And that means they also closed the transportation. And I want to go back home so bad when things change abruptly like this. I want to be close to my family. But nothing, nothing open for me to do anything. Except they, they start to evacuate the people out of the country, out, out of the city, I mean. So that means they they demand that we leave the house right away, immediately. So I left everything I ever owned behind, and I walk out. I have an expectation, it's only temporary, that I will come back. Never know, never thought in a million years that I would never see anything that I ever own again. So I walk in tears, crying, thinking about my family behind, uh, back home, want to go to be with them so bad. But anyway, to make a long story short, I end up in the a, in a countryside, far away from the city. And then within the next couple of weeks, I was transported to another location. And then eventually I end up in a camp, a work camp. In this work camp, there was 1,000 single men and women. They were pushed to work extremely hard. We worked 16 hours a day in the intense hot sun in Cambodia. Mm. That means in the average about 100 degrees Fahrenheit all day long, and we live with very little food, with very little time to sleep and no rest. We work seven days a week. So with that condition, many people start to get sick pretty shortly. For mm. me, within a month or two, I, I think it's about almost two months, I start to get very sick because of 
the hardship and the malnutrition and the lack of sleep and all that. And we give disease to each other because it's so it's contagious. And also we live close to each other and we sleep mm-hmm. next to each other. So every when somebody got sickness, we sh- we we give to other people. So mm-hmm. very quickly, most of them are sick, and we still have to go to work even though we were sick. And until one day when I was too sick to go, and they sent me to a camp where all the very sick people stay waiting for time to die. It's not the hospital. There is nothing to help us to get mm. better. So when I got there, I realized that I cannot stay here. If I keep staying here, I will get more disease and I will die pretty soon. My goal is not to die. I want to survive. A lot happened before before you got to that point, Sarah. Um, I wonder, could you maybe just uh, take us back just a little bit of, I mean, uh, as the Communist Party, I mean, the Khmer Rouge, as you know, they were supported by the Communist Party in China. So, I mean, you know, this wasn't just a small band of rebels that kind of came to power. I mean, these were, they were heavily supported, they were armed, and, you know, so it's not just, you know, five or six people come in and, and take over a college campus or take over a university. I mean, this 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 was an army that, that, that took an over, army. is that right? Yes, an army. Uh, and what was that like then? I mean, as, as you were in the capital, I mean, do, uh, is it tanks, is it trucks, is it soldiers marching in? What, what did that bit look like? It looked like, uh, well, the people... They hide themselves in the house. I was hiding in the empty school building because we feel the rocket sound, we feel the bomb and gun, so we are looking for strong building to hide. Mm-hmm. I was hiding, and I peeped out through the window. I saw the truck and the military people walk on behind the truck, and their 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 gun is ready to arm to shoot anybody who make any 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 scene they will shoot right away that must have been terrifying for you even just that bit i mean right from the start this thing has to have been ter- a terrifying experience and and hugely traumatic yes yes yeah at at, at that point uh, i mean were they known were, were they known in cambodia or did these for everyone else did they just kind of come out of nowhere oh we we kind of suspect that something is going to happen, but we don't know how. So when it happened, it happened like that. So we we cannot imagine how it happened. So you're hearing the bombings, you're you're seeing the soldiers, you're seeing you're seeing the trucks. You make your way out of uh, out of the capital. At at that point, I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier. This. So it's not a genocide that, that we hear about. You know, we hear about the Holocaust. We hear about the Rwandan genocide. We don't typically hear about the, the Cambodian genocide of how, you know, intellectuals were killed. You know, Muslims were killed. Viet- Vietnamese in the country were killed. You know, anyone, anyone was killed. Intellectuals were killed. Um, people wearing glasses were killed on suspicion of being an intellectual and mm-hmm. you know because that's obviously a threat to, a threat to power at that point you know as someone that was you know in college in university 
were you aware of the implications of that at the time or was it at that time let's just get out of here and let's just get get to the countryside and try to be safe yeah yeah i just blend in with the rest of the people and i i didn't know that they they want to eliminate the intellect nobody know Mm. no they they did not announce no. So there was a, there was a civil war going on at, at this point. Is that right? So they, they yeah, came the, in. Yeah, the civil war was going on from nineteen seven, probably around seventy three, between seventy three to seventy five. The soldier mm. in the in in the country was fighting the communists, the Khmer Rouge, try to defend the country, but um, the communists are stronger and they. They got more support, and to, to say uh, what did the, what did be, even before nineteen seventy five? What, what did the civil war look like? I mean, is that something again? Was that something that was fought maybe in the countryside and in the capital? It wasn't really. Yeah, it wasn't it's far something away. really. Yeah, it was just something that was happening kind of far away, not really to. Yeah. To bother. Yes. Now nothing, um, nothing going on in the capital. Nothing in the city. It's only far away from the city. But on that day, uh, when 1975, in April, the middle of April, mm. they came in. That, that's the first time we see them in the capital city. How did how did you escape the city then? How You, you said you got to the countryside. What, what, did that, what did that journey look like? They want us to evacuate from all the city. So they don't want anybody to live in the city. So I was walking among the rest of the people, hundreds of thousands of people were walking on the street. So, so you were forced out, is it? It wasn't like you were you were trying to escape. I mean, it, it was a mass evacuation, is it? Yeah, massive evacuation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they, they don't give us anything to eat, to uh, anything. So whatever we have uh, carried from home, that's it. If we run out, we run out. We will starve. Cook. Did you did you have friends? Did you know? Was there people that were close to you at that time, or you know, were you on your own, just trying to just trying to get out of there? Well, not get, just get out of there, but being forced. I had my uncle, my uncle and his wife, and two toddlers. Yeah, I just before we were evacuated, I went to my uncle's home in the in the suburb of uh, of uh, Phnom Penh. So as soon as I got to his house, he said. No, we let's go back to Phnom Penh to the capital because mm. the the gun is the the sound of the the army is getting closer and closer. So let's go find some place to hide. That's that's what we did, and we found the school empty build the the empty school uh, building, and we hide in there. Yeah. So now you're traveling with your uncle and and two small children. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and my uncle was the soldier. But but he know he's smart. He he throw away all his uh, military clothes and he wear normal clothes. So oh. uh, he knew. So he would he would have been a a regular in the regular military, is it before? Yeah. So in the government, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was the target if wow. if he if he did not the. Uh, throw away his clothes, anything like that. Yeah. It was terrifying, to say the least. I'm I'm trying to imagine, as I said, we we haven't even got to the camps yet. And I'm just trying to imagine the terror 
Yeah. That that must have, that must have been like. I mean, it's literally the stuff of nightmares. People have nightmares of just trying to escape from someone or to live that. And how how long was that that bit going on then? It's uh, we we were walking as as we were evacuated. It took us two to three weeks walking. At, we at were, that point, is there uh, are you witnessing any killings, or at this point, it's just you know just it's just the evacuation. You have no idea. Just evacuation. Just evacuation. Yeah. But um, I realized there's some people didn't make it. Um, we we smell something very bad nearby, and uh, I know somebody probably died on the way, especially some old people or some sick mm-hmm. people. You know, if because you they have nothing. They've, they've they've been forced to leave with absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there is no no excuse. No matter how condition, how how sad, how sick, how old, no, you you have to go. Horrific, horrific experience. Uh, where did where did you end up then at that point then, Sarah? So you get out, you your uncle, your your yeah, siblings. my uncle. I was with my uncle and his family. We end up in a small village far away from the city, and uh, we got to stay at somebody's house temporary. Those family in the countryside, they already prepared to receive us from the city. Oh, was there someone you knew? or uh, My aunt, my aunt-in-law, um, have a relative there. So that's that's how we we walk we walk to that that direction because she have family there. But even if we don't know, they will put us temporarily with somebody and then send us to work right away in the field. So when when you say sent to work in the field, what what is it that you mean by that? They um they don't let us just stay in the house. You have to go to work, work in the rice field. Mm. That's a terrifying uh, experience for me because I never been in the right field, and um, I was very nervous and I don't know what to do. So just clumsy, just trying to to pretend that I know because if I if if I act like I have no idea what to do, they will probably kill me because mm-hmm. because they don't like. They don't like the people that pretend to be noble. You know, you are noble. Um, you are so, you are rich. You are from the high class. So that's, mm-hmm. that's very dangerous. So if anything, I was very humble. And at, at that point, I mean, the, the, their kind of goal is this, I think, kind of regression back to a, a agrarian sort of culture, back to a farming you know, the land and peasant kind of lifestyle do away with the upper classes, do away with the intellectuals, do away with elitism and stuff like that. Yeah, this, they, this is what they're trying to get back to. Yeah, yeah, they try to get and back And you're no to, good to them. If you can't do it, then you're no good to them. Right, right, yes. They try to get back to very basic, and they believe that they can rebuild the country from the ground up, so they don't need anything left over from the previous government. They pretty much destroy the infrastructure of the country. And, and so your your aunt in law, she was in another village or another town, is it that 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 you went to? And then obviously the Khmer Rouge were there in place there, and and they put you to work in the fields, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I mean, I, I'm assuming that's that's not a nine to five job that that you were working. <laughs> no, very long hours. They work us as as long as we can, as we possibly can, as long as we can see something. They want to keep us in the field. So, so you're talking sun up to sundown, basically. Yeah. As long as there's daylight and you can see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. From from there, they make an announcement. They want to to distribute t- people, to take people from the crowded area to some area that they don't have enough people. So they make announcement that anybody want to go to Badambong, please sign up. Badambong is the province where my family live, where I came from. Mm-hmm. When I when I heard the word Badambong, oh, it's the music to my ear. <laughs> I signed up cannot sign up fast enough. I was so disappointed. They did not take me to Bandamwang. Take you me to take somewhere it. in the middle of nowhere. Very disappointed. And was that was that with your family or was that you alone that was taken? My my uncle's family came with me. He want to um, protect me. He want to accommodate me. Um, so he and his family came. But I left him because there was an opportunity for young, for single men and women to go get trained and uh, possibly there's an opportunity to, to travel to help out other villages. So that's, I saw the opportunity and I signed up for it. Yeah. I left my uncle's family. And at I that feel, point you're on your own. Yeah, at that point I was on my own. But Again, I was disappointed because the camp is not mobile. It's stationary. I got stuck in one place. I was hoping that I can travel to go to a different village and hopefully can have an opportunity to find my family. But very disappointing. So at this point, you're on, a, you're on your own. What, what does an average day look like on, under... Under those circumstances, average day, the bell ring at four a.m. Four. Four a.m. I was so tired and sleepy, and I just didn't want to get up. But the bell rings so loud that we have to line up and get ready, ready to go to work in the field, in the right field, all day long until sundown. Nothing else, just work. Just work, just work. In in the intense hot sun. Hmm. Very hot. Yeah. No time to rest. We'll, we'll stop for lunch and then go back to work. Lunch is just a little food. We, we are hungry all the time. Um, they give us rice, but not much meat or vegetable or anything, just rice in a very little thing next uh, on top of the rice. Just a so, bare amount to keep you alive, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, but people appreciate that little food that we have because otherwise we, we don't have anything else. We cannot wander around to pick up the fruit or anything. There are plenty of fruit, 
the mango, orange, guava around us, but we are not allowed to pick up. Even the fruit was dropped on the ground, we are not supposed to pick up. Imagine we were so hungry and the food was on the ground and we are not allowed to pick up. What would we happen? Had, did you witness anything that happened for someone that did or was anyone caught or what would be the consequences? If, if, if somebody pick it up, somebody will, the, if the God see that, they will beat them up. The God will beat them. And we don't want to be beaten. And I was so sick already. I cannot, I cannot afford to get beaten. And um, we were supposed to wait until they gather all the fruit, all the fruit, and divide it up equally. So that's what they want us to do: everything equal. So that's that's their concept from the beginning. They say they want everybody have the same same right, same uh, amount of everything. Yeah, that's I suppose that's, that's the principles of communism, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are communists. Yeah. Mm. And I think that, you know, I think on, under that on, and under the, I suppose, under the guise of communism, I mean, that, that appeals to perhaps a lot of the peasants that would have been there. Because they think to get more. Oh, we all get a fair share, and I'm and I'm and I'm going to get more than than I currently have. And I know I know the U.S. were involved in bombings within the within the Civil War and stuff like that. And obviously that turned a lot of peasant farmers. It made the Khmer Rouge more appealing. That you know they're they're fighting against the the government and stuff like that. So the, these areas that are that have been bombed, that have been I suppose people forced into in, into fighting with them. In, in with the communists that are, again, supported by the Chinese and spreading this utopian idea of, of communism, but yeah. it doesn't look like that on the ground and then. Yeah. Well, the country was uh, kind of corrupted. The, the Before the communists came in, mm. the, cor- the corruption is very bad. Mm. Um, the, the poor people are very poor. And there's some rich people. It's a lot of equal inequality, and uh, yeah, I I can see that the the poor people are just angry, angry. Mm. But it's not right that you are so angry and then uh, rebel against the people that are innocent like me. I didn't do anything to anybody. I'm just a college student and. I I have no idea about the corruption. I didn't know anything about it. But again, we we got thrown into the same group that they that they don't like us. The previous government is too corrupted. We need mm. to clean up. So they 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 came in with the intention to punish us to to punish us so badly. Yeah. What, what age at this time, Sarah? What age? What age were you? Uh, yeah, I was twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yeah, I I was not involved in politics or anything like that. I'm, mm. I'm pretty focused on my education. And at this at this point, are you, are you forced into the kind of the typical black uniform? That, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When when I sign up to uh, to the camp. That when I left my my uncle's family, 
when I got there, I had to change all my colors, clothes. I I got to to blacken my, my my dress like this. We we don't have we we cannot wear dress. We wear mm-hmm. pants and shirt, but we have to put into the um, the color to to make it black. So all, all, any clothes you had had to be dyed, is it? Yeah, we had to dye it to to black. Mm. I have some jewelry with me. We are not allowed to wear any jewelry. We we had to give back to the government. Give to the government to take care for us. The watch, the jewelry, the earring, whatever we have, we had to give to the government. So the camps there, what what did that look like? I mean, is this? Are we talking bunk beds? Are we talking how many people are in this camp? What 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 does the living arrangements look like within the camp? Okay, um, the total total people in that camp was one thousand single women and men, and the men live in a separate section. The women live in a separate section. So we have like a a shelter. This this camp, they took they took the old temple, the Buddhist temple, in the old Buddhist temple, pretty similar to the church. But they have the little houses for the monk to stay. Mm. But now, when they, uh, when the communists came in, they kick out all the monks. They don't want any religion. There's no more mm. religion in the country. So the monk was disappear. Um, he become a regular people like us. So now they use this temple for for us for our camp. So, like about ten people stay in one little shelter, and another ten women in another small shelter, and we sleep it on a hardwood floor. There is no bed; just sleep next to each other in a row, hardwood floor. When did you When did you first become aware of uh, the atrocities? I came aware of when I got very sick. And I went to the so-called hospital, but it's not a hospital. It's the uh, infirmary where the sick, very sick people stay, and people die every day. People are mm. dying. Young people in my in the twenty, around my age, we die. It's not old people that die. It's the young people. So that's. That I start to realize our life is very fragile from now on. So um, I and uh, I noticed that there's so many people would disappear because they was taken, taken away, sneaking, quietly because they might be accused of coming from a wealthy family, coming from a uh, the family that worked for the previous government. Oh, whatever they have been accused of, those people have been disappeared. So we start out with 1,000, 1,000, but toward the end of four years, we probably have about less than 300 people left. There's a lot of people lost, was lost. And that's, that's 700 people dead, basically, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. That just from my camp. And uh, because I was confined in this camp, 
I don't see any other other killing beyond this camp because I would be lying if I say that they are killing, they are doing this, that. No, I did not see, but but I realized the people were taken away, were taken out because they had been accused of something. So out of this, out of the seven hundred, then the deaths you would have seen would have been through mal- malnutrition, disease, etc. Is that right? Yeah. Or but you would you would have witnessed beatings, or would you have witnessed murders? Murder, they did it quietly. They probably did some, but quietly, not not in front of us. Mm. Yeah. The different camp operate differently. Um, so our camp. It's although the food is not much, but it's not as as bad as some camp. When after all it's over, I heard more horrible, horrible story from people that that were in a different camp. But I I consider that I'm in a, a better condition than many of other people. So so you were sent to the quotation marks infirmary. You're sent to the to the hospital, which is basically, you know, go there and die. Essentially, yeah. is that right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's no care. I mean, I'm a, I know, you know, through the through the genocide and the murder, you know, many times that's that's a pickaxe to the head because bullets were too expensive. So I can't imagine they were, you know, paying much money for healthcare <laughs> to look after, uh, basically slave labor, essentially. Yeah. How did you get out of there then? What, what what happened, Sarah? You know, you're in the United States now. You're in you're in this camp in Cambodia. Um, how did how did you? What happened around the camps then? I endure four years. Four but, years. Four years. But um, but I had a little break when when I was in the infirmary. I was praying because all I want is just to survive. I still have hope. I still want to go find my family. I love my family so much. And and I pray and ask God to help me to survive. So at one point, I was brave to walk out from that hospital, from that infirmary. I got up very early in the morning when nobody else got up. So I walked back to the work camp. And one team leader saw me and she felt sympathy for me. And she took me in her group and she was able to um, to talk to the people in the kitchen and make arrangements to have me work, work, help out in the kitchen. So that was a break, a big break, a life-saving time for me. <laughs> when everybody was starved to death, Mm. I got to work in the kitchen where I got extra food. I work less hour and work in the shade. I got some time to rest. So it just a God answered prayer for me. Just that one act of humanity, I suppose, from that one one person. Yes. That yes. kept you alive. Yes, yes, that that woman, she's she's a regular people just like me, but um, she was stronger than me, and she was appointed to be one of the team leaders, and she took care of the the sick people, the 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 weak people. 
and she have compassion for me. Mm-hmm. So that that's how I survived. I got a break because if I didn't get out from that infirmary, if I did not get that break, I probably did not make it. So you said you were said you were there for four years. What happened after four years, Sarah? After four years, God gave me a courage to to escape. I had to plan an escape because um, at the end of four years, they moved the camp. The camp is easily moved. It's not in the brick building or anything like that. It's pretty wide open. But it's just so many guards and watching with a gun ready to fire. They sense something is going on. So they move the camp closer to, move, move toward the jungle. So every two weeks we packed up and move, packed up and move. So I realized that the direction that we are moving is toward the jungle. And I don't like it. And I think that will not be the direction that I want to go. For some reason, I sense that that's against the direction that I need to go to to get closer to my hometown. So I plan an escape and I gather three of my close friends and ask them to, to come with me. Because at that point, I, I declined. I, I was frail again become very frail and not much energy so I need some help I so I asked my friend and they, they agreed to come with me and we make an escape it's very dangerous if if they ever see see us we will get shot on the spot there's no question no but was that something that took a lot of planning Sarah or was it just a an opportunity at a given moment how did that escape come about well we we didn't plan that that long there's not much to plan for it just have to be careful just know you know where the guards stand where you know how just know how we can walk out from there just know where to go otherwise mm. we'll wander in the in the jungle so we kind of learn to track track by where we came from. So roughly we were thinking, oh, this is where we came from. So we will plan to walk by that way. But in the jungle at night, it's completely dark, completely black. There's mm-hmm. no light. And we don't have GPS, of course, no GPS. <laughs> Didn't have Google Maps. <laughs> no, no Google, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> so so we, we were just trusting God. We were praying and we just surrender our, our life to God. So if God, God wants us to live, he will help us. That's what happened. You've mentioned you've mentioned God a couple of times, Sarah. That 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 faith helped to keep you going. Yeah, my faith and my love for my family. Between my love and my faith, that mm. what drive me. That what give me courage. 
I'm not sure if if you've ever read uh, Viktor Frankl's book Man's Search for Meaning. So for yeah, for anyone I, that's not familiar with the book, Viktor Frankl was a, a psychiatrist, psychologist. Um, he was in the concentration camps in World War Two, and he wrote this excellent book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And he and he basically described kind of everything you've you've mentioned there in that. He he described in the con in the concentration camps. He knew the people that were going to die because they had nothing to live for anymore. They may have got news that their family, you know, their wife died in another camp or something like that, and they had nothing to live for. There was no purpose. There was there was no meaning to their life anymore. But as you said, it was that love of your family and and the faith in God that 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 kept you going at that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When when you made the escape, how long were you in the jungle, or where where did you? What did that next part of the journey look like? Well, we walked one night, one night out of the jungle, and and when the sun rise again, we realized that we are out of the captivity, but we were still pretty much we are still in the jungle. It's not too far from the jungle, but we keep walking keep walking until we get into the village. We saw some people and we saw some people on the road, on the on the pathway and we asked for direction to go to my hometown. When it, it took us a while to walk all the way to my hometown, but we made it. We made it through and uh, I tracked down my family. It, it was disappointing at the beginning when I got to where my home used to be. There was no more home. The home was destroyed. And my family was not there. And at, at this point, are you thinking your family's dead? Uh, you, what, no, what's going through your no, mind at that point? No, I, um, I know. I, I did not think about anything negative like that. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> didn't even go there no no they must be somewhere <laughs> mm. <Wow. laughs> how did you find uh, them then how did you how did you track them down sarah what happened then so you go home uh, there's no home no home and i look around and see all the strange people so i i thought about my aunt one of my aunt used to be a nurse by before everything happened. So I thought about her and I I thought about going to the hospital look for look for her. And sure enough I found her at the hospital. Wow. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> that. So it was a, a happy day for me. And I found my aunt and she told me my my family moved to a, a little further down the road. So, um, so she she asked me to go to her house and uh, ask her daughter to take me to my family. So that's what happened. I found my family. Must have been an amazing experience for you. Yeah, it's wonderful. So you you hadn't seen them then at that point in what, four years, was it more? Five Probably five like, years because I five left. years you'd been off at university and then and then yeah. everything happened. Yeah. So um, my mom did not recognize me because I was just skin and bone. I looked like a 90 years old woman, just bone. 
I don't have any just meat. Gaunt, on my... just a gaunt face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom told me she only recognized my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess there's not much meat on her forehead, no matter how. <laughs> <laughs> Only a mother knows, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, they, my my family thought that I was dead because, you know, the whole country had been liberated four months earlier. Four months before I escaped. Mm. If, if I did not escape, I was still with them. I was still in captivity. <laughs> For a month, my dad rode the bicycle everywhere and asked for people, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my daughter? Nobody has seen me for four months. And they, they thought that I was dead. So they gave away all my clothes and everything. So, but they were so happily surprised when <laughs> I came home. With the skin and bone, but it 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 took me one whole year just to recover, just to rebuild my myself again. I have some illness that that took more than a year to to fully recover from it, and then after one year of happy reunion. The, the situation just pushed me to make another escape, escape out of the country. At that time, the country was just, there's no infrastructure. Everything was just pretty much destroyed. Mm. Um, there's no way that I can go get a visa or airplane ticket to, to go anywhere. There's nothing, nothing. So if you want to get out of the country, you have to escape. So uh, my my hometown is not too, too far from Thai border. So it's far enough, you cannot walk. But uh, so that's my direction to go cross the border to Thailand. Yeah, there's another journey, another risk. But I did it. And then I got to, when I crossed the border, there was a refugee camp that was already set up to receive the refugee. So I was pretty um, fortunate that I found a refugee camp. Mm. That's how I got out. And uh, I had one relative, the only relative in the United States that I uh, made connection with him and he sponsored me to come. So What year was that then, uh, Sarah? 1981. 81. And as you said, uh, Khmer Rouge came in in 1975. Yeah, 75 to 79, that's their reign. And then from 79 to 80 is my recovery time with my family. And then I left the country in 1980. And I waited in the camp for one more than a year before I arrived in the United States. What did life look like and what has life looked for you then since then, Sarah? What's what's something that has changed? What you know, I'm just trying to imagine what it's like to go through something like that. 
you know the the impact that that has on your life and what what direction did life take you then after that after an experience like that well um i feel grateful grateful that i'm alive that i still have my family that i have the opportunity to come to the greatest country and um i get to meet amazing wonderful people in united states and they nurture me they support me they help me to rebuild my new life and a few years later my mom and my brothers left the country left cambodia and crossed the border to thailand and i was busy trying to make the paperwork to sponsor them as well it it took a long time for for them to come to United States because there are some complications which we don't have time to go into it. But eventually they were able to join me in 1989. Yeah, it took them five years, five years before they can wow. can arrive to United States. But but it was a very difficult time. But I I did a lot of hard work to to get them here. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that. Not only I survive, my family survive. They all get the opportunity to come, and they are doing well right now. All my brothers are doing very well. My mom already passed on. We are at peace. We are we are mm. grateful. It's quite a it's quite a story of hope, um, Sarah, and you know an inspiration for people to to keep going and you know as we as a mental health podcast and you know we've told many many stories of suicide and people that have attempted suicide and have come to the brink of suicide and no one has come on and described living through a genocide in a country you know so if we if we if yours is a story of hope through that then i think there's a there's hope for anyone that may be suffering in in any situation yes yes we um, we have to look for something that we are grateful for. So that's on top of my mind, on top mm. of my priority. That's how I did not slip back into the negativity. Um, when you are grateful, you cannot be depressed at the same time <laughs> because you are so busy to be grateful for what you receive. That's that's how I feel. When I found my family again, I was so grateful. I don't care about being resentful for what they did for me, to me in four years. It doesn't matter. Hmm. I let them pass. I forgive them. All I care is I have. I found my family. My I reach my goal. I survive. So when you look from that standpoint, you are, I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my love for my family. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to restart my new, my new life. We have to look at the positive side. You've spoken quite beautifully there at the end, but you've also you've, you've put those words down on paper. You've, you, you've wrote a book, is that right? Yes, I, I wrote a book. My book is called how I survived the killing fields, a story of hope, love, and determination. That's the title of my book. If people would like to get a copy, you can find it on my website, 
at sarahim.com. Just my first name and last name.com. So that's, I'll just spell that out for people. So it's S-A-R-A-I-M.com. Yeah. I, I also offer a mentoring, a mentoring service. So for people that need more help than reading my book, reading my book is the first step. Mm. You will you will understand the journey. You will understand how 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 life can end or not end. It depends on your thinking. Your mindset is very important. If if you think that you are a victim, you will never survive. Mm. We should not think about being a victim. We are victorious. We can take control of our own own life as we do one more take on the outro because ashing is still giddy off the caffeine i want to say an absolutely massive thank you to sarah im for coming on and telling her story before we leave the last word with sarah we just got to give a shout out to all of the social media channels that is instagram twitter facebook and tiktok on tiktok at 8 p.m on a sunday we do a tiktok live if you have any mental health questions or you just want to come on and have the chats have the crack we're cool with that all of the other ones are all at STMH Podcast. If you're checking out the video on YouTube, drop a comment below. Same with Facebook. I'll upload this one onto Facebook. And any of the social media, just give a comment, give a share. Really helps us out. We're not asking you for anything. We are asking press for sponsorship. But, you know, if anyone sees it, we'll take it. But in the meantime, a comment or a share will, will do the job, won't no. it? It won't. Oh, you're settling for nothing else. Teeth yeah. strips and nothing That's else. It. That's mm-hmm. it. It's ruthless. You, you, you've been watching Breaking Bad. You've, you. you've gone bad, Walt. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm Walt season three now. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't fuck with me. <laughs> so if you've enjoyed any of the banter that we've had so far and you want to listen to some more of it next week, then, you know, please do give that comment and the share. If you took something inspiring, how could you not, from listening to Sarah's story and her ordeal and her story of hope and inspiration, and you can keep clicking my hand all you want, that thing. It's not going to throw me off. I'm just going to keep going. So you will have certainly learned something from Sarah's story. I think Ashing is just like, you know, when you see a scary movie, then you need to make yourself laugh. <laughs> <laughs> She's crying. <laughs> I can see you're not looking at me. You're <laughs> like a child. Give me attention. <laughs> it's all the abuse. Oh, this, this has to... <laughs> this. As the tears roll down her face because she's giddy as fuck, I think there's nothing better to do than to say, we'll be back in seven days. Same bad time, same bad channel. But in the meantime, look after yourselves. I'm not doing it again. (laughs) And as Ashling said on a previous take, look after your mother. (laughs) Goodbye, folks. One of the things we ask of, of every guest that comes on the podcast is to Share some words of wisdom, some life learnings, some something that they've taken from this life. And given the experience you've had, I can only imagine the wisdom that, that you have to share. Is, is there anything you would share with, with our listeners that you have taken from that? Not just that experience, but I suppose life in general. Life in general. So it has been more than 40 years since I got out from, from Cambodia. I learned some more lessons, but... I still think that my life journey surviving the killing field was a very good life lesson that I learned. That no matter how hard life is, if we don't give up, if we have hope, we keep our hope alive and have a purpose 
the purpose for our life, it's very important to pull us through very challenging time. My purpose is to go back home, to find my family, to be loved by my family again. So everybody, you have your home. You have your own purpose. The purpose that we live, that make our life more meaningful, is it's not ourselves. The purpose beyond ourselves, that is bigger than ourselves. Yeah, some people have a good cause for something. They have a passion for something. You might have a passion for something that make you happy and joyful and fulfilled. That will be your life purpose. When you have that strong purpose, nothing can stop you. Health.